Hi, Methodist Church. It's good to be with you on this last day of the year. New Year's Eve. What else might this day be? Any ideas what else this day is? How about the seventh day of Christmas? This is still Christmas season. We are celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a, a season for 12 days. That's where the 12 days of Christmas come from. This is day seven of the Christmas celebration. So continue to keep that in your hearts as being this time of being excited about what it means for us to have God with us, Emmanuel. And we can do that each and every day, but let's celebrate that throughout this season as we anticipate more and more of what Christ has for us. Let us turn to our announcements. There are not that many listed in here, but I have a few extras. Uh, first, I want to just put out a plea. Uh, we have a lot of poinsettias here that were not uh, taken after the service. So this is the, the time for if you want to come get one after the service, you can. Because otherwise, we were not going to be keeping them around uh, any longer. So this is uh, just some. If you didn't purchase one, but if they haven't been taken, they are free for the taking after today. Uh, also wanted to mention that uh, if the hospitality time, we, we continue to want to be uh, having that. We have a sign-up sheet out there for people to bring cookies throughout, um, throughout our time. I think it's listed out there through February, maybe. Uh, sign up. Uh, there's, the full slate is pretty much open for anyone to sign up to bring cookies for that. Uh, also, the trustees meeting has been moved to Wednesday at 6.30 instead of Tuesday, and we want to encourage uh, the trustees to come to that. Uh, Mary and Martha meeting is going to be coming up a week from Monday. Uh, again, this will be, I think, the third meeting of this group, and they are, uh, each time it's been something that has been celebrated by everyone that's been there. Uh, so ladies, uh, be encouraged to come and see what that is all about. Uh, also notice that the, the women's circles for the next couple months will not be meeting, so make note of that. Uh, the men of faith group will be meeting this month, and you can take a, a look at that information there. Also, if you want to sign up for altar flowers, there is that location uh, to get ready for the new year and making sure we have uh, the altar flowers throughout the year. With that, that is uh, our time for us to settle into our worship. Let us receive this prelude knowing that we are loved.
Please rise and stand with me as we do the call to worship. We have welcomed the Christ child and declared the glory of God's salvation that comes to live among us, and yet still we wait. We watch and wait. We prepare to welcome a new year, thankful for how God has brought us through the past year and anxious to discover what the new year might bring. We join generations who learned and taught us how to listen, notice, and discern divine love at work in the world. Come, let us worship God whose love endures from generation to generation, guiding us from one year to the next. Come, let us worship as we live in the anticipation of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Please join with me. Hymn number 214, Savior of the Nations, come. may be seated. Please join with me in the opening prayer. God of grace and God of glory, as a new year breaks forth, let us give thanks for all that you are and all that we are in you. Let us release the things that hold us captive, our pains, our grudges, our anger, the strongholds of our beings, May we be freed to love, show kindness, and live with joy, knowing that you live in us and us in you. Amen. May the children, can the children come up and join me? Hi, everybody. Come on up. Okay, today we are going to talk a little bit, and the Bible verse talks a little bit about God giving us a gift. God giving us a gift. Um, And first, I wanted to ask you what your favorite gift of Christmas was that you got. In Ohio State football. Silly monkey. A silly monkey. You told me about that earlier. 
A silly monkey. <laughs> Two silly monkeys. What was your favorite gift? Oh, yeah, that trash truck. All right. Picking up the, teaching him to pick up around the house already. All right. Um, So the Bible verse talks about God giving us a gift. And this is a, this is a kit that we're going to give you guys. You guys can make this to remind us of the gift that God gave us. What did, what did God give us at Christmas? One of the best gifts of all. What did he give us? Who did he give us? Jesus. That's right. So in the verse, it talks about God giving us Jesus to be a redeemer. And a redeemer, this is a big word. Maybe we can learn that today. A redeemer means to redeem. If you redeem somebody from something, it, it's sort of like freeing them from something. Freeing them from, I don't know, from handcuffs or freeing them from a cage. Or you can free people from from thinking about things that are harmful or hurtful to us. So Jesus was sent to us as a gift to free us from sin, maybe from things that worry us. And one of the things we have to think about is he is, he is here to help us release those bad feelings. And one of the ways we can do that is to pray. So this is something that is a kit. You could put a a manger together, but it's also a prayer box. And you could put your, you could write your prayers down and put them in this prayer box. It's another way to talk to God and Jesus. Um, because Jesus is a, our redeemer, someone that came here to free us from sin and our worries and cares. So I have, who got candy over Christmas? Who got a lot of candy over Christmas? I got almost got too much candy over Christmas. Yeah? Did you guys get some candy over Christmas? A little bit, maybe? So I thought maybe we all had too much candy. Because, can you have too much candy? I did. So we are, we are, we are giving this kit out, a toy out, a prayer box out that you guys could do anything you want with it, but you could put your prayers in. You could also put candy in it. So you guys can put that together this week. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming as a gift from God, as a redeemer, to help us um, forgive us from sins, release us from our cares, worries, and sins. So this week, please let us think about you as our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please join with us. Hymn 219, What Child Is This?
continue in our time of prayer, following along with the children's message of us being receiving a gift and looking into this new year, how we might be a gift as well. Let us pray. Amazing God, we come to you on this seventh day of Christmas. It also is the day that we look into the new year that begins tomorrow. Lord, you have given us hope in the Son that you have given us. Your Son, who didn't just come to be here, but come to truly be a gift to us, to give us life, life anew. So Lord, we are grateful on what we can resonate with this gift that you have given Lord, as we look into the new year with hope, we can look into this new year with a a hope that says, I am in Christ and and Christ is in me. How am I able to be Christ in the world? So many times we, we look at what we have and how we are able to make new resolutions for making our lives better. Lord, we know that in you, you are the one that is creating life in us better. So may we have our focus on you, that you are the one that's going to enlighten us. That you are going to guide us and show us what it is for us to be more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to see how we can truly be a gift to all of those around us by the joy that we have and how we share it. About the confidence that we have in the future. Lord, we are able to do this each and every day. So Lord, give us encouragement, give us strength, give us power in the Holy Spirit to be able to be that voice that is speaking out what we have already come to know in Emmanuel, God with us. So Lord, help us to enjoy the gift you've given us as we turn that gift into joy for the world. Let us now share with one voice the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we are blessed. We may not understand it completely and what that means to us, but we've truly been given such a generous gift. It is in our response of sharing that gift with others that truly does show the world that we are the church. It is in our giving that we do hear that is able to be a representation of what we know about Jesus. Ushers, would you please wait upon us?
Please join together in the prayer of dedication. God of hope and joy, the gifts we offer to you pale when our minds try to grasp all we have been given in this season. Wholeness in our woundedness, hope in our despair, peace in our turmoil, forgiveness in our rebellion. You gave us light in our darkness and hope in our discouragement. Help us embrace your extravagant generosity as we give ourselves to others. In our Savior's holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm going to need some help this morning. And the song I'm singing is Go Tell It on the Mountains, but there's a chorus. And one voice just isn't enough for that chorus. So I'm going to invite you to join in to the chorus part. Leave the solo part for me, but join in to the chorus part. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching, or silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherd feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed the Savior's birth. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hill and everywhere, that Jesus Christ is born. Down in a lowly manger, the humble Christ was born. And God sent us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hill and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Thank you. Okay, our scripture reading is Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Today you are being blessed, as I am blessed every day, uh, to have my wife share a little bit with you. Uh, she obviously has done this before and, and presented to you, but 
uh, is a, a gift to me to be able to have this week after Christmas for her to be able to share with you. So give your attention to Suzanne. Yeah, he just doesn't like to have to put so many messages together, you know? So, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy to be here this morning to uh, share the Word of God with you. Um, so thanks for having me. Uh, I want to just start by just sharing, you know, one of the things that Jeff and I like to do together is watch TV, some movies and so forth. But there's a particular show that we've been watching for several years now called The Voice. Some of you probably have heard of it. Some of you may not have not. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it is a singing competition. There are four coaches that put together a team of singers and help these vocalists prepare for the competition each week. In the first several rounds, the contestants compete only with their own team members, and the coaches make the decisions about, okay, who's going to win this round and move on. After the coach declares who the winner of the round is, the other artists that are there are available to be stolen by the other coaches. In one of the rounds, known as the knockouts, the coach can also choose to save one of their artists that didn't get selected to win that round. This season that just finished, there was one particular episode that caught my attention. Um, one of the coaches, Gwen Stefani, was asked to declare who the winner of this particular knockout was. She was preparing to declare that winner and said to the artists who were on stage that they each had done a phenomenal job. And then she said, I want you to know I have a plan. She went on then to select who won that round, and then she also pushed her button to save the other artist that was up there. But her words were what caught my attention. I have a plan. She wanted to assure her team that she really had thought this through and that she had a plan to keep both of them. I believe it was her way of saying, trust me, I've got you. I wonder, though, what were those contestants um, thinking at that point as she said it? Especially the one that was left standing there after the other one was chosen. Did the singer hear her words? Did she trust those words? Did she believe Gwen? Did, she, did Gwen's words reassure her and lessen her anxious thoughts? Did they, give them, did, did they give her hope? And how vulnerable was she maybe feeling in that particular moment? Even as I kind of think about the whole competition, I think about how vulnerable it must feel to, you know, come on that show um, to do something that you love, but to put yourself out there like that. I heard it once said that there's nothing more vulnerable than standing up in front of somebody, in front of a, a group of people <laughs> and doing stupid things. <laughs> standing up in front of a group of people and singing or speaking or, you know, putting your heart out there. In one way, it's exciting you know, to get selected to audition for this show. And another way, it's got to be just so nerve-wracking to be in a competition where you're totally putting yourself out there and putting your fate in the hands of other people. Vulnerability is not something we easily do. Throughout the scripture, we hear of prophecies declaring the coming of a Messiah. These prophecies and these promises were like Gwen, <laughs> sort of, God's way of letting us know he had a plan. And in this passage from Galatians that we read today, 
we hear about the plan God had for his people and for all of us. Out of this passage this morning, I want us to consider, what do we need to know about God's plan for our freedom? First, let me share with you some context. So the book of Galatians is considered a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the people of the Galatians. It was in response to a debate that was going on between the Jewish Christ followers and the non-Jewish Christ followers and what they needed to do to follow Christ. It could be like our debates now about what rules or actions we think we need to follow as Christians. Paul wrote the letter to try and clarify some important pieces of the good news of Jesus Christ and to set the record straight to explain God's plan. He wanted to help the Jewish believers understand why the whole debate was really no longer necessary. The debate, Paul basically said, isn't necessary because we aren't justified or made right by the law, by following the law to the T, but by God's grace when he put our faith, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. The whole letter of Galatians is written so that Paul can share the truly good news and show us how we have been set free from the law. While the whole book is written to clarify this, this passage we read this morning is really a summary of the good news. And if we break it out, break it apart, and consider the depth of what each phrase says, we will get the big picture of the good news of Jesus Christ and the freedom we receive from and through him. Galatians 4.4 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Okay, so the first thing we hear is that God has and had a plan. And Paul is letting his readers know that, the, that, the, that God knew what he was doing. Also tells us that our freedom is God's plan, not our own. God was always trying to tell us that he has a plan and that we should be looking for it and trusting in it. Jesus' birth was divinely orchestrated. This is what we've been celebrating. Jesus came at just the right time, and his birth was divinely appointed. God sent his son, and he is born of a woman. Jesus is both divine and human. He is born a baby, small, a vulnerable baby. Think about it. We are never more vulnerable than when we're a baby when we need to be taken, just let all our needs be given to somebody else. It also says Jesus was born under the law. What does that mean? Paul was connecting Jesus to the Torah, the law of Moses. It points to what the law represents, a way for the world to be reconciled to God. For our relationship that was ruptured by the fall in Eden to be restored. The law existed because our God is holy and there really is no other way to be reconciled to him. It was given to a particular chosen people as a temporary measure for us to see our need for Jesus. Paul is telling us that God has another plan that involves the law, but that this plan means we can also be free of its effects. He says in verse 5, Jesus was born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption. God needed to provide a way for us to be redeemed, reconciled to him apart from the law so that we would not stay imprisoned by the law. 
God wanted to make us all his children again, to be part of his family, to restore our relationship with him. And the law kept us from a distance from God because it basically showed us that to be present, to be in the presence of a holy God, we needed to keep these commands. The problem is our inability to keep them. We are simply incapable of keeping the law on our own. Thousands of generations have proven that fact. To be his children again and free us from the law, God had to send help. And that help came in the form of Jesus. So to give us freedom from the law, God sent Jesus. Jesus fulfills the law by not falling into the temptation and chaos of the world and is able to stay connected to the Father, obeying God's will and doing all that the law required for us. This ushers in, then, a new age, a new promise from God that is available to all of us. The promise is Now we are able to receive adoption. We can now be adopted back into God's presence, and our relationship to God has been reconciled through Jesus. Now you may be wondering, how does this then make us free from the law? Aren't we supposed to keep the law? How does getting adopted free us? The next verses, I think, give us some answers. Because you are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Adoption to God's family makes us God's children who receive what God has to give us. God wants to give us the Spirit, and the Spirit deeply, intimately knows the Father. The Spirit is our way to freedom. It is through the acceptance of this gift and our willingness to allow the Spirit to work in us that we are changed. That change comes as we lay down the burden of keeping the law, of trying to keep it, And let the Spirit produce in us the fruit that is the law. I think it's important to note here as well that children are more willing to be vulnerable. Children have to rely on others for their needs to be met. God is offering us the Holy Spirit to meet our needs. But we have to be willing to be vulnerable and accept this help. As adults, we each have developed certain ways of living, patterns of behavior that we have taken on in order to be the person we think we need to be or to get our needs met. In our separated state from God, we have become more susceptible to what Galatians 5, 9 calls the acts of flesh. This is sin, our selfishness in nature. This is opposed to what God wants for us. This is how we are burdened by the law. In a lot of ways, you could say the law is how we avoid being vulnerable. We use the law to protect ourselves. So often we get fixated on what sin is. We readily recognize Things like murder or adultery or other aspects of moral, immoral behavior. But we forget that we even get trapped in sinful behavior that doesn't seem as damaging. Our sinful nature makes us do things that make us just feel better about ourselves. Um, Anything that helps us feel more seen, soothed, safe, and secure. But if we yield and become more vulnerable to the Holy Spirit that is within us, we can be changed. We start realizing the depths of God's love for us. 
We quit trying so hard to earn the love of others, and we become and display what we've heard referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. We start being kinder, more loving, more patient, more humble, more gracious, etc. We aren't trying harder to be these things. That's being a slave to the law. But as we look at what Jesus has done and focus on that, we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and change us. So to receive freedom from the law, we need to accept the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me return to the analogy of the voice again. So Coach Gwen has declared her winner of this particular knockout. She pushes her button to save the other artist, but there's a catch. Remember I said that the other coaches have an opportunity to steal the artist away? Well, in this instance, the other coaches also push their buttons to steal this person from Gwen's team. Now it's up to the contestant to decide if she is going to remain on Gwen's team or go to one of the other coaches' teams. What's Art is going to choose? Whose hands is she going to put her fate in? Is she going to trust her current coach who said, I have a plan? Or is she going to go with someone else? She has the ability to choose which way she will go. We have the ability to choose which way we're going to go. Where do we put our trust? Are we going to trust God's plan, or are we going to go it on our own? Which choice will bring us freedom? What is our real idea of freedom anyway? I believe that um, freedom that the freedom Christ brings is more than just where I will go when I, after I physically die. I believe that it is how I can be changed for the better now. I believe it is about becoming the best version of myself with God's help. I believe it's about allowing God access to my mind, body, and spirit to heal my old wounds, to set me free from the lies I have told myself the lies the world has told me about who I need to be. It means I do not have to live in the shame of my past, but that I can find freedom from the burdens I have placed on my own shoulders and let Jesus help me with the load instead. To receive freedom, we must allow the Spirit to change us. Friends, living in freedom doesn't mean we get to live independent of everyone and everything. Because frankly, that's just an illusion anyway. Because if you think about it, every choice we often make is in some way connected to how we think about ourselves or how we think others see us or how we think we want others to see us. So true freedom is actually the opposite Living in the freedom that Jesus brings means I get to be intimately connected to our super coach, the Holy Spirit. That enables me to truly be in the presence of God on a daily basis. So being in God's presence helps me remember that my identity is as a child of God, who I am and whose I am. It helps me to be shaped not by the world, but by the love that resides in me. It means that I can bring glory to God today by yielding my will to the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to change me from the inside out. This is the freedom I desire, so I'm going to choose to let freedom ring by choosing to remain on God's team choosing to be shaped into the likeness of Christ as I yield to the Holy Spirit that resides in me. Amen. Now, um, today being that it's New Year's Day, or New Year's Eve, 
We're moving from this year to the next. Seems like a great time for us to consider our choices, to consider which team we want to choose to be on. To, it's, it's a way for us to um, think about being more like Jesus by making ourselves like that vulnerable child to God and to the work of that Holy Spirit. John Wesley started a practice back in 1755 that encouraged those who gathered to participate in what we call a covenant renewal service. And I'd like us this morning to participate in a couple features of this service. First, there is a, what's called a communal examine, and then there's also the Wesleyan covenant prayer. So first, I want you, us all, in this moment, to take just a little bit of time to consider what things come to mind when you think about laying burdens down or being free, receiving the Holy Spirit and allowing him to change you. What things might you want to be changed? What ways... Do you maybe want to lay down the spirit or the, the, the flesh and pick up the fruit of the spirit? So take just a moment now. You may even want to journal it. I thought of something myself this morning as I was practicing this before I came, of something that I needed to journal about and think about. And examine for yourself that, but also think about it as an examine for the whole church, too. What are things that we need to allow the Spirit as a body of Christ to change in us? So take a few minutes and think about those things and reflect. Thank you. Thank you for taking just moments. I know sometimes it's really hard for us to just sit in the silence. Some of us do it better than others. Now let's do, I'd like us to, as a collective group, do something very vulnerable, which is what we call the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. It's printed in your bulletins and it's up on the screen. I'd like you to stand so that we can participate together in these words. And, I, and when I say it's vulnerable, I think these words are extremely vulnerable. We're really, truly trying to surrender ourselves to the Spirit. Join me. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thy will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee.
exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. And while we're still singing, standing, let's sing our last hymn together. There's a song in the air, number 249. There's a sign as you head down Northeast Detroit Street. Uh, I think it's on the, the west side. It's in someone's yard and it says, God's got this. God's got this. God has a plan. We know what the plan is. We have been awakened to the light. So let us trust in that and be the ones that walk in confidence and peace. So go in peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.